Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from John chapter 9, verses 39 and 41. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> well, right off the bat, I want to say thank you to Pastor Jason Smith, who preached, I, I think it was his finest sermon I've ever heard him preach last week. It was really, really good. And I did break a cardinal rule, I'm sad to report. He stole my video clip. <laughs> we'll have to negotiate uh, that. I re- remember where I was when uh, my life changed because I was right about here. And I stood up to preach, and as preachers often do, I had my Bible in my hand, and I raised the Word of God, the sword, And I was getting ready to read when I recognized in that moment that I could not read it, and so I did this. (laughs) And somebody in the congregation laughed out loud. I can't tell you who it is. It was Laura Hardy. (laughs) And my life changed. I needed lenses. (laughs) I, I still need Lenses, and without them, uh, I'm not blind, but I'm blind enough to be dangerous, you know, when it comes to reading the fine print on medication bottles, <laughs> stuff like that. In other words, I am just blind enough to need the lenses, just blind enough to need the lenses. The lenses help me to see what I otherwise would not be able to see. Make sense? All of you wearing glasses, that makes sense? If you're not yet wearing glasses, it will make sense someday. (laughs) Need the lenses to help me to see and decipher what otherwise would not be able to see, read, decipher. It, It, in some sense, reveals the truth, these lenses. Again, whether I'm talking about a medicine bottle or a, or a recipe, the, the truth is there to be seen, but I have to have the glasses to see the truth. Today's sermon uh, is a Lenten sermon meant to ask us a very difficult questions, but that's what the season of Lent is. It's a season during which we're asked very difficult questions. And, and, and here's the question we're asked to consider today. Am I blind even a little bit? Am I blind even a little bit? Am I using the proper lenses to be able to see and decipher the truth? Or am I stuck in sin? Now, sin today 
it needs to be pretty narrowly defined because in the Gospel of John and in this story in particular, sin is pretty narrowly defined. And here it comes. You ready for this? Here it comes. The definition of sin is looking at Jesus and deciding, I don't want to give my life to this person. I don't want to risk it. That is what the Bible will call today both sin and blindness. It is whether or not you and I have the lenses, have the capacity to look at Jesus and see, ooh, wow, that that person is worth the risk. This, This life is worth the risk. Not having the capacity to see Jesus and to then see that this Jesus is worth the risk is what Scripture will call today both blindness and sin. And so the hard question we have to ask ourselves today, folks who have been in faith for 45 years and folks who have been in faith for 45 minutes, the question we have to ask ourselves today is, have I looked Jesus square in the face and said yes or no? I mean, what does that mean? Think about it. Is there a functioning level of blindness and in this case, we would call it sin, that keeps you from letting Jesus access all of you. Another way to say it. Have you been able to look at this Jesus and see that this is a person who loves you immensely, deeply, even though this Jesus knows everything there is about you and knowing what I know about you and knowing what you know about me, that's kind of hard to love sometimes. But this Jesus knows all that there is to know, chooses you, have you said yes to that choice that Christ makes for you, or are you blind? Or are you blind? We've been using other language this Lenten season, for, and actually for some weeks now, it's the language of renewal. Let me just tell you what I mean when I say renewal, and as I pray for renewal for myself, but also for you, it, it renew, the prayer for renewal is this ache, this spoken ache for something more, <laughs> something deeper, something broader, something that has more impact in my life and soul and body, and then beyond my life and soul and body. Uh, maybe it is greater access, maybe it's greater insight, uh, it's just something more. Jason nailed it with that clip last week. Curiosity is crucial in the search for renewal, or for some people it'll just be newel, because it's not renewal, right? The enemy of renewal is misplaced certainty. Misplaced certainty. If, if sitting where you are today, is, you're saying like, I've been a Christian like this for 45 years, but I don't need anything more. I don't, I don't need renewal. I, I've got it locked down, and I know who's in and who's out. And by the way, I know I'm in and you're out. That person is, man, I, don't, I hope I'm not talking about somebody here. Probably not. They've probably all gone to other churches by now, right? <laughs> <laughs> that person that I just described, Blind. And in sin, and dangerous. So just how blind are you, am I, to 
Just how blind are we? It's okay, it's okay to answer that question honestly, especially in that we're in this season of Lent, because to answer that question honestly, to say, well, maybe I don't have it all figured out, is to open oneself up to the kind of grace that can help move you toward realization and insight and depth. Well, perhaps move you toward that place where you can be somebody who can help those kids understand what it is that they've just done. This is an important story, the, the healing of the, the person who was blind. We're about to get into it here in a second. It's a very important story. A story that the ancient church would retell every time they're about to baptize somebody. Conversion is a big deal, and, and, and perhaps we should, we should make the word conversion last longer, right? I think we have had in mind that this word conversion, it, it marks a moment, a moment of decision. And I'm all for moments of decision. I'm all for marking moments of decision, as long as we understand those decisions not to be finish lines, but starting lines, right? And as long as we understand that this isn't, this isn't a race run by individual sprinters, but run by a whole group of folks, these individual decisions, we make them personally, right? We make individual decisions, but we lump our individual decisions into this giant group of ragtag people who all seem to run with a limp. We fall sometimes, scrape our knees up, help one another up. Say, yeah, come on. You don't have, no, you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning. Come on, let's, let's keep going from here. Because conversion lasts longer than the moment that may be precious to you, and I want it to stay precious to you, but conversion lasts longer than that. I don't know if you know this, but it takes a long time to teach old dogs new tricks. Right? So in some sense, we're all in the process of still being converted, working out our salvation. Now we have markers along the way in the moment of baptism, I hope that they'll remember that forever. But not as a, as, a, as a finish line. They didn't run through tape today, right? Hopefully, what they heard in your shouts was the starter's gun. Right? And that they will now enter into this whole life of conversion. And, and here's, how I, I will, here's how I will try to express conversion today. It is the movement from darkness to light, from blindness to sight. Does that make some sense? But it's always happening, or it's probably not happening. I'm going I'm to say that again in case you want to write that down, okay? The movement from darkness to light, from blindness to sight, is always happening, or it's probably not happening. Make some sense? I mean, this is scary stuff, right? Jesus said, I've come into this world for judgment. Judgment, Jesus, you're so sweet. I thought, I thought you were so kind. Why would you say this? So that those who do not see may see. Okay. And that those who do see may become blind. Jesus is saying, look, you, you, <laughs> there are lots of different ways to go about being Christian, but some are out of bounds. Some are out of bounds. The ones that are in bounds all start and end with this Jesus character. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? <gasps> surely we're not. And Jesus said to him, yep, 
And you know why? Because your certainty is working against your curiosity. And because your certainty is working against your curiosity, you've built this whole household of faith when I want you to live in the mobile home of faith that can kind of move around. Move, you know, with God. But since you say you don't need that, since you are claiming, no, I got the truth right here, thanks, right here in my pocket. Jesus says, no, you don't. And by the way, you're blind and stuck in what we're calling today sin. Now, again, this is what sin is today. Helped along by this woman, Gail O'Day. She says, sin is defined not by what one does, not in the Gospel of John at least, but almost exclusively by one's relationship to Jesus, and more specifically, by whether one believes that God is present in Jesus. And I would remind us that you don't just believe with your brain, you believe with your entire body through the ends of your fingers. Now let me ask you again, people who are journeying with me, I'm a fellow journeyer in Lent, I'm having to ask myself the same question, that's why Lent is this dangerous mirror we hold up in front of ourselves, but here's the question that I'm asking myself and I'm asking you, it's terrifying, are you ready? Do you believe in Jesus with your body? How much does your body communicate that you believe in Jesus? I am not so interested in what your mind believes. I'm interested in what your body, which includes your mind, believes. What is your day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute body communicate as to who has taken the place of leadership or lordship in your life? More specifically, by whether one believes that God is present in Jesus. And this is the story that the Gospel of John records to help us to have a conversation, not about whether or not someone born blind can be healed, because we kind of think God can do whatever God wants to do, amen? Really? Okay, (laughs) that didn't go well. But this is a story in the Gospel of John to help us to have this discussion about conversion and the long process of moving from darkness to light, from blindness to sight, and the people of God are asked every time we tell the story, what what is this saying about me and which role do I play in this story? So find yourself in this story. I'm going to just kind of read whole chunks of it to you. And your job, as I read the story, is to figure out what role you're playing in here. Ready? So as he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, why why is God mad? Is God mad at this person or is God mad at his parents? Like, why has God cursed this person with blindness? Because that's how God works, right? And Jesus says to them, okay, you're blind. This is not how the world works. I don't care how often you like to drop the word karma into your conversations, like you kind of know how the world works. I do that too, like, well, karma, right? Karma is a b-bird. <laughs> well, actually, that's not how the world works. What? You mean people don't pay for their, for their sins? Well, no, I, I think there are ramifications for sins. 
But the universe is not set up so that only the good people have good things happen and the bad people have bad things happen to them or have you not been paying attention? Right? So the disciples believe that it's a closed system. If you do something bad, something bad's gonna happen either to you or someone you love because that's how God is. And Jesus is saying, that's not how God is, blind person. That's not how God is. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. You're going to learn something about God in his healing that you don't learn from his blindness. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day because night is coming. It's going to get dark out there, y'all. Please be here on the Friday before Easter. It's dark, and you and I need to sit together in that darkness. And then Jesus does something here. After he said this, he spat on the ground and he made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, which, by the way, was, according to the Pharisees, illegal. This was the Sabbath. And Jesus was in this whole motion of making mud out of the saliva, which is, first of all, gross, right? But then illegal because he was technically kneading, making something, which on the Sabbath was strictly forbidden said the blind people, strictly forbidden. Then Jesus takes some of this mud and he presses it onto the man's eyes and he said to him, now go wash in this, this really important religiously loaded pool of Siloam, which means scent. And then he went and he washed and he came back, born blind, able to see. This was so shocking that the neighbors looked at him, they looked at one another and said, this, this can't be right, right? We know who this is. He was born, he's been at that gate begging forever. This can't be right, right? Is that him? Said, so, no, I don't, I don't think that's him because he can see. And he kept saying, no, it's me, y'all. It's me. And, and I can see now. Something has happened, something's different. These neighbors now dragged him to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, verse 15, and the Pharisees also began to ask him how he received his sight, and he said to them, well, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. <laughs> and some of the Pharisees said, well, obviously this man is not from God. He broke one of the magic rules. Blind people said. Let me, let me mess with you for a second here, okay? You have some rules that for you are the hills that you're ready to die on. You know, the rules that allow you to say, well, since I haven't violated that one, I'm in. But since they have violated that one, they are out. Let me ask it a different way. How have you drawn the circles of inness and outness where faith is concerned? Is there a certain rule that is for you the dividing line? that says, no, 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 they did that, they're out. But I haven't done that, so I'm in. Wow, that is dangerous. That is dangerous. That is a little bit like leaning into blindness and darkness. It's a little bit like leaning into blindness and darkness. The Pharisees are stuck here. They, they refer to themselves as people of the book. And I get that. And the book is incredibly important. I mean, here's how important the book is. It is almost as important as Jesus. 
But the book is subservient to Jesus. You have heard that it was said, but I say. <laughs> you have heard that it was said, but I say. And Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, who, I'm going to give some credit here, are working very hard to get it right. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, there is a rightness available to you if you weren't just so addicted to chapter and verse if you understood how the chapters and the verses work to paint a larger picture about who God is and what God wants, if you understood that the whole story tells us what we need to know and we use the whole story to interpret the little parts and not the other way around. I'm going to say that again because somebody should have said amen. I'm going to give you another chance, right? We use the whole story. The whole story interprets the little pieces for us. We don't build a whole system and universe of meaning out of one verse and all God's people said. Amen. Man, people, please. It is frustrating to narrative theologians like me to hear a state legislature debate an important topic and cite chapter and verse to make the wrong decision. Okay, I'm going to stop messing with you now. The Pharisee said, this man is not from God. I don't care what he did. He broke one of our laws. But others said, wait, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs, evidences, and they were divided. So they said to the blind man, what do you think? What do you think about him? The blind man says, well, I think he's at least a prophet. So they drag his parents out into the middle and they say, what do you say? Now this is tough. Because these were probably older people. These are people who were reliant on the system, the neighborhood of faith, let's say. They were reliant on the neighborhood of faith. And they were questioning these, these parents in ways that left them with a distinct impression, and they were right about this, that if they gave the wrong answer, they would get kicked out. And then since they didn't want to get kicked out because it was a really bad thing to get kicked out, not only did you lose your church, but you lost really your, your financial network as well. You lost your friendships. You lost everything. You would be isolated and alone if you got kicked out. And so the parents were intimidated, and they said, stop asking us. He's a grown man. Go ask him. So... They grab him, they bring him back, and they say to him, this was interesting, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. In other words, tell the truth. Tell the truth, we know this man is a sinner. And the answer is, I don't know if he's a sinner. Here's what I know, I can see. I can see. And they said to him, now let's go through this again. What did he do to you, and how did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've already told you, and you wouldn't listen. Oh, you want to hear it again, though? Perhaps you want to be his disciples. And they were so mad. <laughs> and they said to him, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Pause. Y'all, be disciples of Jesus more than you are disciples of Moses. Amen? I was kind of messing with you there, too. Maybe you didn't know it, but I was. Okay. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. Now, the man healed of blindness is kind of sassy. He's leaning into it now. So, well, that's astonishing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet, somehow, this person opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he does listen to the one who worships and obeys. Never since the world began has it ever been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in your sins. That's why you were born blind in the first place. 
And you're trying to teach us? How dare you teach us blind people the need to see? And then they drove him out. Here's what struck me this week. He found Jesus on the outside of the system. Ugh. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and so Jesus went look for him and found him. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he? Tell me so that I can believe. Remember, he hadn't, he hadn't actually laid healthy eyes on Jesus yet. So tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. And he worshiped. So after they drive him out, this is what is said. I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said, surely we're not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains because you don't get who it is that's standing right here in front of you. Do you, do you get who's standing right in front of you? And I don't mean me. I mean him. Have you really said yes to Jesus? And maybe I should ask it like this. Have you said yes to Jesus recently? Re recently enough, recently enough to shape Monday. Have you said a yes to Jesus that shapes your Monday because you've said it not only recently, but deeply? Now it's okay. If you haven't, if you are still relying on, on a decision that you made years and years and years ago, but you haven't actually moved from that spot, here's the good news. The good news, the good news is the, the best is yet to come for you, but you've got to keep saying yes. Now, here's the dangerous part. If you keep saying yes, God might just do something new and different. How different? I mean, really different. Did anybody here get pinched on St. Patrick's Day? Anyone? We'll put you on the prayer list. Okay, a couple of you did. Sorry about that. Do you know that's actually a tradition that started St. Patrick's Day in America? <laughs> Irish immigrants started that. They didn't, they kind of make fun of us in Ireland for having St. Patrick's Day. Like, yeah, it's really cool, guys. Yeah. But the story of St. Patrick has always been fascinating to me. Do you know that St. Patrick wasn't Irish? It, it, better understood as English, actually. 16-year-old. Now, there are lots of different versions of the story. I'm going to tell you the one that I like the best, all right? Patrick. Actually, it wasn't his given name. St. Patrick was his Christian name. His given name was Maywin Sukkot. I can see why he changed it now, right? 16-year-old, we think he was probably super smart, already studying philosophy at the local university, when these Irish marauders stole him, kidnapped him, and made him go all the way back at the tender age of 16, go all the way back to Ireland to tend sheep, took his clothes away from him, said, fend for yourself, but if we come back here and you have not dealt well with these sheep, we're going to end you right then and there. 
For six years, he lived under that terror. And here's what happened during that time. He learned to pray, and I would too. <laughs> Reached out, God, where are you, where are you? What's interesting is this guy who had learned so much about God over those six years came to know God. So much so that finally, six years in, he heard God say, it's time for you to go home. God, they will kill me if I try to go home. He says, yeah, you need to risk it. And, and he actually even kind of drew out the route for him to get home. And he made it all the way home. Went home and started studying theology. Started studying theology. And over a period of time as he studied, by the way, we believe he was probably then ushered into the faith, and that's when his name was changed to Patrick, Patricius. But as he kept listening, I told you, I mean, if you open yourself up to this God, if in your curiosity you make yourself open to renewal or renewal, you never know what's going to happen. This Jesus kept coming to him at night saying, here's what I want you to do. Now that you've grown in your faith and you understand who God is more and more and more, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Ireland. And I am sure the first couple times he said that, Patricia said, no thanks. No thanks. But then the Jesus who risks association kept saying to him, but what is it to know me, Patricia? Shouldn't the people who get to know Jesus, the Jesus, the God who risks association, also be willing to risk association? And eventually he got through and Patricia said, okay. Here's, in my head, here's how it went. He went back to his mom and said, Mom, i got to go back to Ireland. And they said, no, go to your room. <laughs> and they tried to lock him into his room such that he couldn't leave. He had to escape his parents to get back to Ireland. And he changed the world. Went there as an abducted slave before, went back as a missionary full of the life of Christ. How about this? Renewed. Renewed. So when I say to you, hey, listen, I want you to be open to renewal, but I can't tell you where it's going to take you. It may take you somewhere big, huge, other. But you got to do it. You got to do it. Tell me about your level of blindness. Think through, even if you're not going to tell me, think through your level of blindness. And, and here's what I mean by that again. And we're going to go to the table. In fact, if you're going to help us, go ahead and come on. Oh, tell me about your level of blindness. And by that I mean, to what extent have you said no to the Jesus who wants everything from you. To what extent have you said no? That is your level of blindness. When we gather around this table, everybody, when we gather around this table, we eat and drink and retell our origin story. The people of God have an origin story, and it's not really Genesis 1 and 2. It's this one where God comes to us in vulnerability and frailty, it comes to us in broken body and shed blood just to tell us how deeply God has chosen us and how deeply God loves us and asks each week for our yes. 
Tell me about your level of blindness. But also, hear me say to you, this, the bread and the cup and the rehearsal of that story is how we slowly but surely overcome that blindness and move from darkness to light, from blindness to sight. So Heavenly Father, bless these elements, bread and cup. Bless these elements, God, and do with them what only you can do. Use these elements now, God, to shape us. God, shape our eyes. God, give us the lenses, the lenses we need to be able to see you, the lenses we need to be able to see ourselves as a reflection of you, and to see what it is that you have called all of us to do. God, with bread and cup, may we be strengthened to move from darkness to light, even if it's just a step today, from blindness to sight, even if it's just a step today. Open our eyes, Lord. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pews to the left, and to come forward to receive the bread and the cup. Now, you don't have to. If you would rather sit this one out, it's totally within your rights to sit this one out. All are invited, but none are compelled. Don't feel pressure. Don't feel pressure. But if you want to take us up on this invitation, you're eligible. Everyone who understands their need for grace, and that would include me, each one of us is eligible to participate today. So you would leave your pews, come to the left, and then come forward with your hands cupped because I want you to receive this grace by receiving it as grace. As you approach a person holding the bread, over here it'll be Kyle, he'll take this piece of bread and press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And take that piece of bread and then dip it into the cup. Someone standing nearby will be holding a cup. When you do, that person will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat, and then find a place to pray. God, am I blind? God, heal me of my blindness. God, I want to see Jesus. Now you can pray that prayer at one of these kneeling benches here and somebody will come by and pray with you. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing. And it'll be Pastor Jim over here and Pastor Ken over here who will meet you and pray that prayer for healing. And it really doesn't matter what it is. It might be physical, it might be mental, emotional, relational. If you need that prayer for healing, we'll pray it with you. You might want to circle around over here and dip your fingers into this water. This is the water meant to remind the baptized that you are baptized. If you need that reminder today that you belong to, the cheers are for you as well, then come and dip your fingers in this water and be reminded of the moment of your inclusion. You can circle right back around to your pew, but please pray that prayer. God, move me from darkness to light, from blindness to sight. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you and every time you eat of it, remember me. In the same way he took the cup and he held it up before them saying, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant and every time you drink of it, including today, remember me. So now all around the sanctuary, if you will, stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, 
and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant to nourish your movement toward Christ and Christ-likeness, the gifts of God for the people of God.